Keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. That will be our text this morning. And the title of this message from this passage is The Cleansing Power of Christ. The Cleansing Power of Christ. In this text, the Gospel of Luke gives an account of an incredible miracle performed by Jesus Christ. A miracle of compassion. And we see demonstrated here the cleansing power of Christ. And that will be the main point of application this morning. Again, the cleansing power of Christ. Let's pray one more time before we begin. Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Lord, may we be softened by the Holy Spirit. May we be humble as we open up your word. May each one of us be convicted, be encouraged, be strengthened, to go out and to live the Christian life, to honor you where you have placed us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We see in this passage the miracle of cleansing. Verse 12 begins by giving us some very general information. It came to pass when he, when Jesus, was in a certain city. This was during the period of Jesus' ministry in the region of Galilee. And based off of the information that we're given in Matthew's Gospel, it's very likely that this unnamed city may be that great city of Capernaum. Now verse 12 goes on to tell us about the leper. And first, he has leprosy. He has leprosy. Now there seems to be several different skin diseases or disorders which are referred to in Scripture as leprosy. Uh, The modern disease, which commonly goes by that name, is most likely not biblical leprosy. And this leprosy was a dreaded disease in Bible times. The Hebrew name for leprosy literally means scourge. Scourge. There was an incredible social and spiritual stigma that went along with being a leper in Israel. The Jews, in their own religious writings, they refer to lepers as wicked. And it was their opinion that leprosy came upon a person because of evil speaking. Now in the book of Leviticus, there are several chapters which give the law of God concerning leprosy and lepers in Israel. Lepers were to be distinguished by their physical appearance. And we read about that in Leviticus 13. A leper's clothing was to be torn. His head was to be bare. He was to have a covering on his upper lip. And he was to cry out as he moved, unclean, unclean. And this was to be a warning to those around him to avoid him and to avoid contamination from him. Lepers were to be physically separated from the general population. A leper had to live alone. He had to live outside the camp or outside the settlement. Lepers were also considered ceremonially defiled or unclean under the law. And that meant that they could not participate in corporate worship with God's people. The spiritual uncleanness would further separate a leper from society in Israel. Under the law, a man who touched something that was unclean, uh, that was ceremonially unclean, including another person, he was himself made unclean and had to go through a process of purification before he could participate in worship again. And so this led to a further separation for lepers in Israel. 
Now, Scripture doesn't specifically use leprosy as an allegory or type of sin, but it is certainly a fitting illustration. Leprosy was a great corrupting disease, and so sin corrupts. Leprosy made the leper unclean and separated him from worship, and sin makes us unclean and separates us from God. Man could do nothing to remove leprosy. A man can do nothing to remove the stain of sin. To be declared free of leprosy required purification, and to be set free from sin requires purification. Well, a man introduced here in verse 12 of our text, he is a leper. But Luke goes on and gives further details about this man. He says, There was in a certain city a man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. This word full means covered all over or completely full. It's the same word that's used in Luke 4, verse 1, to describe Jesus as full of the Holy Ghost. Completely full. This man is consumed with leprosy. He's covered all over. Now, there's an interesting portion of the law that deals with leprosy in Leviticus that says once a person is completely covered with leprosy from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, he can then go to the priest, and be examined. And as long as there was no raw flesh, no open sores on his body, he could then be pronounced ceremonially clean. There would still be the tremendous social stigma that went along with being a leper, but he would no longer have the restrictions of the law upon him as an unclean person. And that's possibly the condition of this man, as he is described here uh, by Luke as being full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. Such an advanced case would have put him beyond any hope for a cure. When a leper first contracted this disease, he was to go and be examined, and there was this process of examination, because the disease might not be leprosy, or it might go away after a time, but not so for this man. There was no hope that this would go away. He was beyond hope of any sort of natural cure. This was not a passing problem for this man. This was not an affliction to be endured for a time. This was his life. And there was no hope, humanly speaking, that things would ever get any better for him. There was nothing he could do to improve his condition as a leper full of leprosy. What a fitting illustration for sin in the human heart. We are full of sin. Our very nature has been corrupted. All that was good in us has been tainted by sin. And such an advanced case puts us beyond hope for a cure. Sin is not a passing problem. It's not an affliction to be endured for a time. Sin is not merely the result of our environment or our circumstances. Sin is in our very nature. And it will never get any better on its own. There's nothing we can do to improve our condition as sinners. We can become very moral sinners. We can do many good works, humanly speaking. But we have no hope of ever purifying ourselves from sin's corruption. The second part of verse 12 tells us what happened when this leper saw Jesus. Who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face. First, this leper saw Jesus. This was not a chance meeting. Matthew and Mark, in their account of this miracle, they tell us that this leper came to Jesus. He sought Jesus out. 
And the sight of Jesus was a welcome sight for this leper. When you become aware of your sin, when you're under conviction for sin, there's only one solution. You must seek Christ. Go to Scripture and learn about Jesus. Study the gospel of Jesus Christ. Value knowledge of Jesus as the greatest treasure you could discover and seek after it because there is no solution apart from Christ. When this leper saw Jesus, we're told that he fell on his face. He fell on his face. This was a common posture of uh, reverence at that time. And this attitude of humility and reverence before Jesus indicates that he had some understanding of the identity of Jesus. Now, how much did he know? How much light did he have? Did this leper possibly believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Possibly, but it seems doubtful. Even those who were the closest to Jesus in his ministry had not yet made such a confession. But this leper certainly believed that Jesus had divine power to heal. And we see that by what he says later on in this verse. We would do well to follow the example of this leper in humility and reverence before Jesus. A glimpse of his holiness will do this to us. Our sin contrasted with Christ's holiness should bring us to our knees in humility and worship before him. Next we're told that this man with leprosy He besought Jesus. Besought. This word means to beg, to petition, to make a request. It's often translated as pray in the New Testament. This man did not hesitate to ask Jesus for help. In this position of humility, on his face before Jesus, he begged for help. Again, he was a man who was beyond hope from natural means. He was a man who was familiar with hopelessness and despair. But upon hearing of the healing ministry of Jesus, hope rose fresh within him. Upon seeing Jesus, he fell on his face before him and besought him for help. And so must we earnestly desire to be cleansed from the defilement of sin. Our sin separates us from God. We're beyond hope from natural means. Our position is one of hopelessness and despair, but in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we have hope. Come to Christ and beseech Him, beg Him to help you. Now verse 12 ends with a simple yet profound statement of faith from this leper. He said, Lord, if Thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. If You will, You can make me clean. This was not a question. This was a statement. He believed that Jesus could heal him from this incurable disease. He believed that Jesus could make him whole. Now, as far as we know, from the testimony of Scripture, this is the first leper that Jesus healed. But though he was the first, he did not come with doubts, questions, or uncertainty. He came confidently, believing that Jesus could heal him. He expresses no doubt in Jesus' ability. What he did not know was Jesus' will. Would Jesus heal him? He believed Jesus could heal him, but would he? Would it be the will of Jesus to make him whole? And so the leper said, if thou wilt, 
Thou canst make me clean. If we continue using leprosy as an illustration for sin, we see that we are in a much better position than this leper. Jesus had never cleansed a leper before, but untold millions have been cleansed from sin by Jesus Christ. The testimony of scriptures is clear. Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Later on in this very chapter, in Luke 5, 24, Jesus said, The Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. Peter testified before the Sanhedrin in Acts 5, 31. Him, speaking of Jesus, hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And we could go on and on and on. The testimony of Scripture is clear. Jesus has the power to forgive sin. The testimony of church through the ages is clear. Of the church through the ages is clear that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Read the testimony of Christians in years gone by. Those Christians who have gone before us, and they all testify of the power of Christ to forgive and to cleanse from sin. Ask the Christians around you, and they can testify that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to forgive sins. And we know further that it is the will of Jesus to cleanse sinners. John 6, verses 37 and 38, there Jesus said, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus' will was the will of the Father. And what is the Father's will? Jesus goes on in that same passage in verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. What assurance we have from Scripture. Jesus has the ability to save from sin. And he has the will to save all who will come to him. Next we see the compassion that Jesus demonstrated here in this text. In verse 13, we see the miracle that Jesus performed for this leper. Verse 13 begins, And he put forth his hand and touched him. This was not something that was normally done. A devout Jew uh, would not touch a leper. If this leper was ceremonially unclean, a Jew would not touch him lest he also became unclean. But even if he had been declared ceremonially clean because the leprosy had spread all over his body, there was still that tremendous social stigma that went along with being a leper. Some have speculated that it's possible that this leper had not been purposefully touched by another person for as long as he had been afflicted with leprosy. Possibly years and years and years of his life at this point. There's no way to confirm that, but it's certainly likely that people went out of their way to avoid touching this leper, this outcast, this person that they would have viewed as filthy and defiled. They wouldn't touch him because he was a leper. But Jesus did not recoil from him. Jesus did not drive him away. Jesus comforted this man with his touch. 
Jesus didn't need to touch this man to heal him. We have many accounts in the Gospels where Jesus healed people with just a spoken word. We have accounts where Jesus healed people even from great distances away, miles and miles, but not here. On this occasion, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. It's a beautiful picture, a beautiful gesture from Jesus. Jesus identified with this man and his suffering in this small, simple, yet profound gesture. In a far greater way, Jesus is identified with sinful man. Jesus left heaven and came to earth as a man. Jesus put forth not just his hand to sinful man, but his whole being and took on flesh. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. Who, Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See the great humility, the great compassion of our Savior. He touched this man. Reminds me of Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, Jesus humbling Himself and identifying with mankind, should put us in awe. Thomas Watson commented on the incarnation of Jesus. He was poor that He might make us rich. He was born of a virgin that we might be born of God. He took our flesh that He might give us His Spirit. He lay in the manger that we might lie in paradise. He came down from heaven that He might bring us to heaven. And what was all this but love? If our hearts be not rocks, this love of Christ should move us. And as we continue in verse 13... We see Jesus, after he comforted this man with his touch, he then comforts this man with his words. Jesus goes on in verse 13 and says, I will be thou clean. I will be thou clean. In these five words, Jesus expressed both his willingness and his power to heal this man. First, Jesus answered the one question that this man had. Would Jesus be willing to heal him? He had said to Jesus, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, and said, I will. I will. Jesus didn't engage this man in a long conversation at this point. Jesus didn't make any further trial of this man's faith. He simply said, I will. And then with authority, he commanded Be thou clean. Here's another miracle where we see the natural world conformed to the will and the command of the Creator. This leper had a will. He had a desire to be clean. 
but he had no power to make himself clean. He came to Jesus, believing that Jesus had the power to make him clean, but he didn't know if Jesus had the will, the desire, if Jesus would make him clean. And Jesus assures him, I will. I will. And then immediately Jesus declares, Be thou clean. And so it is every time a sinner comes to Christ. Every time a sinner comes in true faith and repentance, Jesus Christ is merciful, compassionate, and willing to save. Matthew Henry wrote, We shall find Jesus very compassionate and ready to relieve us. He is as willing to cleanse leprous souls as they can be to be cleansed. And all of this accomplished by the grace of God, free and unmerited. Verse 13 ends with these words, And immediately the leprosy departed from him. This man who had been a moment before full of leprosy was suddenly and totally free of this dreaded disease. This was not a a partial cure. This was not a gradual remission. This was a total and complete healing. One moment earlier, this man had been full of this dreadful disease. And now he was totally healed, totally free of this affliction. Again, the natural world conformed to the command of the Creator. Jesus said, be thou clean. And no power on earth or in hell could countermand this order. And so it is when Jesus says to the sinner, I will. Be thou justified. Be thou sanctified. Where Christ grants forgiveness, no spot of sin can remain. The penitent sinner is immediately under the blood of Jesus Christ and every sin is washed away. We who were full of sin are now perfectly cleansed. Not because of our works, not because of our righteousness, not because we're good enough, not because we have somehow made God our debtor, but because of Jesus Christ, because of His righteousness, because of His finished work upon the cross on our behalf. Are you clean from sin this morning? Have you been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Come to Jesus in repentance and faith and know the cleansing power of His blood. He stands both ready, both able, and willing to save. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning. And when I asked, are you clean from sin? You were convicted of some sin that is present in your life. Some sin that you've struggled with this past week. If you're a true believer, that is good. Sin will grieve you. And you will long to be free from sin that is present in your flesh. And I would remind you of the gospel. You cannot look to yourself for righteousness. In examining yourself, you will find only shortcomings, only failings, only weakness in your flesh. You will never find righteousness in yourself. You must look outside of yourself. You must look to Jesus Christ. You look to His righteousness which has been given to you. And when you struggle with sin, don't give up. Don't despair. Rather, confess your sin, turn from it, and say, thank you, Lord, that I stand in Christ's righteousness and not my own. Here again I am reminded, I am not enough. It's only in Jesus Christ 
the object of my faith, that I have righteousness. And then press on in faith and obedience, dying to sinful lusts and growing in conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. The Christian is engaged in a battle with sin. And you will not win every fight, but you will be engaged in the fight, resisting the corrupting influence of sin. In verse 14, Jesus gives this man further instruction. And he charged him, Tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. Now this may sound strange to us. Jesus instructed this man who had just been healed, Tell no man. Tell no man. The natural response of someone who has been the recipient of God's mercy and grace is to proclaim it to others. We join the psalmist in saying, Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what great things He hath done for my soul. Why did Jesus give this instruction? Well, maybe Jesus told him to be quiet, lest out of ill will toward Jesus, the priests refused to pronounce him clean from leprosy. Or maybe Jesus was simply prohibiting this man from glorying in his healing as if he had any part in it. Or maybe Jesus did not want news of this miracle to spread lest it hamper his movements as we see it did later on in this text. Or maybe this was just a prohibition in force until this man went through that prescribed ritual of cleansing under the law. As Jesus said, for a testimony to the priests. But regardless of the reason for this prohibition, we know what actually happened. This man went forth after being healed by Jesus and proclaimed the miracle that Jesus had performed for him. In Mark's account of this miracle, in Mark 1.45, we are told, But he went out and began to publish it much to blaze abroad the matter. He told anyone and everyone what Jesus had done for him. He boldly and publicly and persistently proclaimed this miracle. And now again, it seems harsh to fault this man for his offering of thanksgiving, for his testimony to others of this great miracle Jesus had performed for him. But by way of application for us, may we always remember that to obey is better than sacrifice. A pastor and theologian from years ago commented, If he wished to express his gratitude to him to whom he was indebted for his cure, no better method could have been found than obedience, which is the origin and foundation of lawful worship. That's an important important application for us. If we allow our worship to be guided by our zeal instead of God's commands, we will only progress in rebellion. The foundation of true worship is obedience. Now we see what happened here in verse 5. As a result of this man's testimony, multitudes came to Jesus. Multitudes came, and we're told there in verse 15, so much the more there went a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. But as in other places in the Gospels, We're told Jesus knew their hearts. He did not commit himself to the multitudes that followed after him. And verse 16 tells us, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. 
Jesus did great public good, but he did not neglect private devotion. An example for us there. From this text, we have studied the miracle of cleansing that Jesus performed when he made this leper clean. It's an incredible miracle. And it points to Christ's divine power and his compassion. And it provides a powerful illustration of his power and compassion in saving sinners. Never think that your sin puts you beyond Christ's ability or his will to save. I've been studying Martin Luther in his life recently. And before he was saved, when he was wrestling with the sinfulness of his sin as a monk in a monastery, he confided this struggle with one of his friends, one of his spiritual mentors. And this friend wisely said to Luther, Would you only be a sinner in appearance and have also a Savior only in appearance? Then know that Jesus Christ is the Savior even of those who are great, real sinners and utterly deserving of condemnation. Do you see yourself as a real sinner? The gospel is good news because real sinners are who Jesus saves. And like the leper in this text, Come to Christ for cleansing. He is able and willing to save. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for preserving this account of cleansing this leper, this unnamed man, forgotten to history except for this account. Lord, we rejoice. In your character as it's revealed in this miracle, for the compassion that is shown, for your willingness to cleanse. And Lord, we thank you for the further unfolding of the gospel. We thank you that you stand ready and willing to save all who come to you in repentance and faith. Because of the object of that faith, Jesus Christ, his righteousness. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.